For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. So welcome, everybody. For new folks, I'm Tygen Layton, the guiding Dharma teacher at Ancient Dragon Zen Gate. So some of us are in the middle of a two-month practice commitment period. We've been uh, focusing on, in our study, uh, Dharma study, on a, a text called the, the Malakirti Sutra about a great awakened layperson who lived at the Buddhist time, and it's a very a colorful, interesting story. And I'm going to talk tonight about the Dharma door of non-duality. So this is kind of the climax and focal, focal uh, event of the Long Sutra, while there are many other interesting illuminating events. And I'm going to talk about a couple of uh, Zen, classic Zen koans that uh, are about this story. From two of our main collections of koans or uh, old <clears throat> Dharma teaching stories, one from the Blue Cliff Record and one from the Book of Serenity. Um, talk about the chapter in, in the sutra, but I'll first I'll open with the introduction or pointer for the Blue Cliff Record version uh, case about the story. <clears throat> This is from a great teacher named uh, Yuan Wu. And, well, I'll talk, I'll talk more about the Book of Record, uh, Book of Serenity after, but just as it start, he said, though you say it is, there is nothing which is can affirm. Though you say it is not, there is nothing that is not can negate. When is and is not are left behind, and gain and loss are forgotten, then you are clean and naked, free and at ease. So this chapter of the Vimalakirti Sutra, in the version we're reading from, from uh, Robert Thurman's translation, chapter nine, the Dharma door of non-duality. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the beginning and the end of this chapter. <clears throat> so, the background story is that a whole uh, thousands and millions of body of uh, arhats or Buddhist saints and sages and disciples and bodhisattvas, awakening beings, have come to call on the Malakirti, who is a great awakened lay, lay person and who is uh, who is ill through this. And there's a dialogue that happens between Manjushri, the great bodhisattva of wisdom. Uh, there's an image of him on our altar, just below Shakyamuni Buddha. And so there's this dialogue that's been going on. And at, some, at the beginning of this chapter, the Malakirti asked that many bodhisattvas who were attending, 
good sirs, please explain how the Bodhisattva enters the Dharma door of non-duality. So this is a key teaching in uh, Buddhism, particularly in Bodhisattva Buddhism, non-duality. We have all, and in this chapter, various Bodhisattvas describe various dualities that they have uh, gone beyond into non-duality. And I'll just read the first couple. The Bodhisattva Dharma Vikurvana declared, Noble Sir, production and destruction are two. But what is not produced and does not occur cannot be destroyed. Thus the attainment of the tolerance of birthlessness of things is the entrance into non-duality. The second one, the Bodhisattva Sri Gandha declared, I and mine are two. If there is the presumption of a self, there will be no possessiveness. Thus the absence of presumption is the entrance into non-duality. So uh, throughout this chapter, there are many uh, different dualities that each of these Bodhisattvas brings up. And they talk, they talk each about... Um, how they have overcome them. And, of course, the way we think our whole world is based in dualities. We think of I and mine in, in this case, but also uh, it, it goes on to talk about things like distraction and attention, defilement and purification, uh, uniqueness and characterlessness, uh, grasping and non-grasping, so this whole chapter, each of the examples of dualities and non-dualities are really interesting and worthy of study and exploring. But there's something a little interesting. Uh, well, first of all, so going back, I, I have talked before about non-duality, true non-duality, true non-duality in our tradition and in the spirit of awakening beings is not the opposite of duality. And it's easy to think that way. It's easy to think that, oh, if we get rid of good and bad or right and wrong, then we have non-duality. But actually, non-duality is the non-duality of duality and non-duality. So it's not that you can escape to some place called non-duality. There has to, and this is what the harmony of difference and sameness that we just chanted is about, that there is the acknowledgement of both the way in which we think in terms of duality, subject and object. We see the world as a bunch of objects that we are subject of, and we uh, can do various things to these dualities, to these objects, and, you know, and vice versa. So these first two examples are interesting because it's not the duality itself that is the solution. Uh, so the first Bodhisattva declares production and destruction are two. What is not produced and does not occur cannot be destroyed. And thus the attainment of the tolerance of the birthlessness of things is the entrance into non-duality. So he doesn't say going beyond production and destruction. He says just seeing the birthlessness of all things. I've talked about this before. This is one of the Hallmark teachings of this Ramana Kirti Sutra, and 
one of the essential teachings of Bodhisattva Buddhism, Mahayana Buddhism, the Buddhism that is about the awakening of all beings. Uh, this, uh, in, in this translation by Robert Thurman, tolerance of the birthlessness of things. In Sanskrit, uh, it's Anupadaka Dharma Shanti, it's tolerance or patience with the birthlessness or ungraspability of all things. So just to be patient with the fact that we can't know the beginning or end of things, we can't get a hold of them. That is what this first Bodhisattva says, is the entrance into non-duality. So he doesn't, uh, so uh, Alan Sanaki was here yesterday talking, he talked at one point about uh, that the point of these opposites is not to um, resolve them. Uh, not, it's not resolution of the opposites. It's more just to include both. And this is a way of doing that, to, to recognize and to practice patience with the reality that we can't get a hold of anything, ultimately. That there's nothing solid to uh, get a hold of. And uh, so, patience with, with that fact is equivalent to the total enlightenment of the Buddha. So to actually really accept and tolerate and be patient with our inability to pin anything down. The second example here is, uh, it talks about I and mine are two. If there is no presumption of the self, there will be no possessiveness. Thus the absence of presumption is the entrance into non-duality. It's not the absence of self or the absence of possession. It's just the absence of any presumption. So, which is sort of like the first one, that any time we, that we do have presumptions, we do have biases, we do have uh, things that we take for granted or assume about reality and the world and our lives and the lives of all around us. And this sutra and Zen and Mahayana Buddhism in general are about pulling the rug out from under that. All of our preconceptions and ideas, it's not that they're bad that we have preconceptions and ideas. In fact, that's how we function. That's how we develop an ego. That's how we become adults. But it's not real. How do we function in a world where that is not real? So uh, this whole chapter is very much worthy of study, each one, each of these situations of duality in detail. They really are instructive. So there's uh, 32 of them in the chapter. And as you'll see in the larger version, one of the koans talks about the larger version of this, there's actually 32,000 bodhisattvas who give this, uh, who express their own, Inclusion of duality and non-duality and very through various dualities. Of course, that version, that larger version of the Mahakirti Sutra, uh, which has 32,000 bodhisattvas in this chapter, it's never been written down, or maybe who knows, maybe it's in with one of the novices at the bottom of the ocean, who knows? Anyway. Um, at the end of this chapter, the very most famous section of this sutra 
when the Bodhisattvas had given their explanations, they all addressed the Crown Prince Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of wisdom and insight, and asked, Manjushri, what is the Bodhisattva's entrance into non-duality? And then Manjushri responds, good sirs, you have all spoken well, and they have. Nevertheless, all your explanations are themselves dualistic. To know no one teaching, to express nothing, to say nothing, explain nothing, to announce nothing, to indicate nothing, and to designate nothing. That is the entrance into non-duality. Then Manjushri turned to the Malakirti, this great awakened lay person, who has in earlier sections of the sutra kind of um, pulled the rug out from under the great disciples of Bodhisattvas and shown how they didn't really understand what they were most famous for understanding. Anyway, Manjushri says to the Malakirti, we have all given our own teachings, noble sir. Now, may you elucidate the teaching of the entrance into the principle of non-duality. Thereupon, the Malakirti kept his silence, saying nothing at all, upon which Manjushri applauded and declared, how excellent, excellent, noble sir, this is indeed the entrance into the non-duality of bodhisattvas. Here there is no use for syllables, sounds, and ideas. When these teachings have been declared, 5,000 bodhisattvas entered it, the door of the Dharma of non-duality and attained this tolerance of the birthlessness of all things, patience with the ungraspability of everything. So this thunderous silence is referred to the Malakirti, where he refuses to say anything, is kind of the climax of the sutra, although there's so much more before and after this in the sutra. But Malakirti's silence is very famous. Um, so there's a, uh, uh, I'm just going to read a few little bits from two different koan uh, uh, cases. The first is from the Bluecliff Record, which is, is a very famous, uh, there were many, many collections of these uh, koan stories, these uh, Dharma dialogues in Chinese Buddhism and also in Japanese Buddhism. But the three that are most used now, nowadays are the Blue Cliff Record, the Book of Serenity, and then the Gateless Gate. Uh, but each of the Blue Cliff Record and the Book of Serenity have a uh, have as a case this event. So in the Blue Cliff Record, it's, it goes like this. Both of these are pra- translated by Thomas Cleary. Malakirti asked Manjushri, what is the Bodhisattva's entry into the Dharma gate of non-duality? Manjushri said, according to what I think, in all things, no words, no speech, no demonstration, and no recognition. To leave behind all questions and answers, this is entering the Dharma door of non-duality. Then Manjushri asked the Malakirti, and we've already heard this, but don't hear it. 
couple more times. Uh, we have Asia already spoken. Now you should tell us, good man, what is a Bodhisattva's entry into the Dharma door of non-duality? And Shredo, who picked the cases and wrote the verses for the Blue Cliff record, just goes on to say, Shredo said, what did the Malakirti say? He also said, completely exposed. So in this version from the Blue Cliff record, it's sort of... Uh, not exactly putting down the Malakirti, but the Malakirti, what did he say? Didn't he say something by the silence? And then Shweta said, completely exposed. So the Malakirti is completely exposed, and the Dharma door of non duality is completely exposed, and all our babbling is completely exposed. So, Kadigiri uh, Roshi, a great American. Uh, Zen teacher who grew up Zen to the Midwest in Minnesota wrote a book called Return to Silence. This is our practice, you know, we sit sazen, silently. We enter into the silence of just witnessing what it's like to be here today, tonight, on our seat, this body, this mind, including all the babbling, whatever, you know, whatever appears, thoughts, feelings, and so forth. But we sit in silence, and that is the basic teaching approach of Shakyamuni Buddha, the Buddha of our Buddha field. Later, Kadigiri Roshi wrote a book called You Have to Say Something. <laughs> so, both sides. We study silence. We settle into silence. We settle into just this situation, this body, this mind. But also, how do we convey this to others? How do we express this? So you have to say something. And maybe you can say it in silence. Maybe you can say it in poetry. Maybe you can say it. There's all kinds of those. <coughs> so um, I'll just read a couple more little passages in the commentary. So... Uh, there won't be a test, but just to tell you about this Bluecliff record, Shweto, Secho in Japanese, uh, was a great teacher um, from the Yunman lineage, one of the five houses in John. He wrote the cases, the case of the main verse commentary, but then there's an introduction that I read at the beginning of, and there's commentary by another great teacher, Yuanwu. Engo in Japanese, who is the teacher of Dawei, who's from whom a lot of Linji or Zen comes anyway. So this is the structure of this koan collection, which is also the same structure as um, the Book of Serenity that I'm going to look at next. But I'm just going to read a little bit of further in the Book of Record. In the commentary to the case, uh, this is now Yuanwu wrote, Malakirti had the various great bodhisattvas each speak on the Dharma gate of non-duality. At the time, the 32 bodhisattvas all took dualistic views of doing and non-doing of the two truths, real and conventional, and merged them into a monistic view, monistic view, which they considered to be the Dharma gate of non-duality. So this is Yuanwu's criticism of all of these bodhisattvas. 
that non-duality is not oneness. This is what I was saying before, that non-duality is not the opposite of duality. And this has been a problem in Buddhist and Zen history, that the attachment to oneness. That's not the point of our practice. Of course, you know, there sometimes there are dramatic experiences of realizing oneness or wholeness. But that's, as the harmony of difference and sameness that we chanted says, uh, that's still not enlightenment. The point of our practice is how do we integrate that experience of oneness, which is valuable and is important and is real, with our everyday activity, with responding to the issues, the problems, the suffering, the injustices, and so forth in this world that we live in, with the with the messiness of our own lives. How do we have both? So the ultimate non-duality is that we honor both oneness and dualities. We recognize that we do live with right and wrong, good and bad, and, and so forth, kindness and cruelty. So uh, this is Yuanwu's criticism of the different responses of the Bodhisattvas. Um, a little more from the booklet record. So, okay. Yeah, so um, the Malakirti was an ancient Buddha of the past who also had a family and household. So we've talked about that. He was totally in the world. But he helped the Buddha Shakyamuni teach and transform. He had inconceivable intelligence, inconceivable perspective, inconceivable supernatural powers, and the wondrous use of them. Inside his own room, he accommodated 32,000 not just 32, jeweled lion thrones and a great multitude of 80,000 without being too spacious or too crowded. I'll talk about that next Sunday, you can see the liberation. But tell me, one who says, without it being too spacious or too crowded, uh, tell me, what is what principle is this? Can it be called the wondrous function of supernatural powers? Don't misunderstand. If it is the Dharma gate of non-duality, only by attaining together and witnessing together can there be common mutual realization and knowledge. So we study all of this together. This is the practice of Sangha, of practicing together. I will just read um, uh, Shredo's verse for this case. Ah, told to Malakirti, out of compassion for living beings, he suffers an empty affliction, lying ill in Vaishali, his whole body withered and emaciated. Manjushri, the teacher of seven Buddhas, comes to the single room that has been swept repeatedly. He asks about the gate of non-duality. Then the Malakirti leans and falls. He doesn't lean and fall. The golden-haired lion has no place to look. So that's a first comment on this situation. Oh, and there's a little bit, uh, I'll read a little bit from 
a much longer commentary by one on, on this verse. Uh, uh, so the old teacher said, if Dhammakirti was the golden grain Tathagata, that's another name for Dhammakirti, the golden grain Buddha. Why then did he listen to the Dharma in the congregation of the Tathagata, the Buddha Shakyamuni? So he had already been a Buddha. But he came and became a white layperson in the uh, assembly of Shakyamuni. And then he said, he didn't contend over self and others. Someone who is greatly liberated has nothing to do with becoming Buddha or not becoming Buddha. If you say that he practices cultivation and strives to attain the path of Buddhahood, this has even less to do with it. As the uh, great, complete Enlightenment Sutra says, well, if you use your routine mind to produce routine views, you will never be able to enter the Buddhist great ocean of peaceful extinction. So, um, trying to become Buddha, or if you hear that that's not the way to be to practice, trying not to become Buddha, <laughs> either way, that's not it. So, I'm going to read a little bit from the uh, Book of Serenity version of the same story. Uh, and this the cases and the verses were uh, selected by Hongja, who some of you have seen in other contexts. And then the commentary was by another great Chinese Soto teacher later in the same, in, in the same century as Dogen, named Wansong. In the case, the way Hongja says it, the Malakirti asked Manjushri, what is the Bodhisattva's method of entering non-duality? Manjushri said, according to my mind, in all things, no speech, no explanation, no direction, no re representation, leaving behind all questions and answers. This is the method of entering non-duality. Manjushri asked the Malakirti, we have each spoken, now you should say, good person, what is the Bodhisattva's method of entry into non-duality? Himalakirti was silent. That's the case, that's the story. So in his commentary, Wansong says, the Sanskrit name Himalakirti means untainted name or pure name. His wife's name was Golden Lady, his son's name was Good Thought, and his daughter's name was Moonlight Beauty. The monk asked Master Yunju, Himalakirti was the golden grain Buddha, why did he listen to the teaching of the assembly of Shakyamuni Buddha? So that same question is in the group of record. Yonju said, he didn't, did not make a contest between others and self. So that's a good description of non-duality, not making a contest between others and self. That recognizes that we think there are others and self. In the large version, one continues of the Vimalakirti Sutra, 32,000 bodhisattvas each expounded methods of teaching non-duality. Now there are only 32 bodhisattvas in the version we have. At the end, Manjushri doesn't have any ground to stick it all into. Malakirti doesn't have it all. Another teacher said, Manjushri is like covering his ears Stealing a bell, the strength exhausted on the Black River. The Malakirti silence is still not beyond a teaching method. So, yeah, if you just use silence as a method of teaching, 
That's what Kagiri Roshi said. You have to say something. Anything, 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 any way of seeing that you get, that you try and get a hold of and stick to, doesn't, doesn't cut it. So, uh, Wansong says, I say it is hard for people to get out of right and wrong. Another teacher said, even the great Malakirti, once seated by Manjushri, cannot get up even now. <laughs> so, um, that's all I'm going to read from these. Oh, well, no, I should give, I'm sorry, I'll give Pongjo's. Uh, is to, well, I'll give Hongshu's, uh, that's the time. I'll give part of Hongshu's first comment. Manjushri inquires after the illness of the old Vaishalya, Malakirti. The gate of non duality opens. Behold the adept, proved without, pure within. Who, appreciate, who appreciates it? Forgetting before and losing after, don't sign. So just the beginning, there's another part of this which gets complicated. I'm not going to go into that, but um, the, co- the commentary that I want some. Manjushri's name means wonderful good fortune. Vaishali is the name of the city where the Malakirti lived. Known as extensive adornment. That's the, name for, the meaning of Vaishali. Uh, so there's a treatise by Songzhao uh, called Nirvana Has No Name. It says, Shakyamuni closed his room in Magadha, and Malakirti shut his mouth in Vaishali. Sibuti extolled speechlessness to reveal the way. Indra and Brahma, beyond hearing, shower flowers. That's another way to teach besides silence. So there's descriptions later on in the sutra of other Buddhas who teach in all kinds of different ways. Indra and Brahma teach by showering flowers out of the sky. There's another Buddha that talks about it, teaches with fragrances. So different incenses that are teachings. These all became it became the these are all because the truth is mastered by spiritual knowledge, so the mouth is thereby silent. How could you say they had no eloquence? It is what eloquence cannot speak of. So, then is supposed to be a teaching beyond words and letters. <laughs> we have libraries full of commentaries on that. So, um, maybe I'll stop there. And just uh, ask for your responses, comments, questions. Please feel free. And uh, Jerry, you can call on people online and people in the room. Please just raise your hand or just speak up. And you can't get away with commenting by just being silent. The mom and already did that. <laughs> Wait. Oh. Wait first, and then you should. Wait. Could you say more about oneness? Your comment on that and how that is not awakening the trap of that? I don't know. I would just like to hear more of that. Yeah, thank you. Yes, um, 
you know, there are a lot of spiritual traditions that take that as the goal. To realize Godhead, to just realize unity. Um, it's not that that's bad. It's not that that's not spiritually valuable. And I talk about wholeness, you know, to feel wholeness, which also has to do with healing. But the point is that that's only half the story. If that, that's 45% of the, <laughs> the practice. How, so, we, so we do need to, and, and, and one of the things that happens with Zazen, uh, especially if you do longer sittings, but even just coming to sit on a Sunday morning or Monday night or sitting in your, in your home uh, in the morning or whatever, we connect with something deep, deep, deep. We connect with maybe the volunteer silence. We connect with the realization that there's no separation, that everything is interconnected, that everybody you ever have known right, is sitting on your seat. And that's different than oneness. That is oneness. And that's not, but that's not the whole, the whole story. Oneness is wholeness or oneness, sense of oneness, the sense of the whole world being together as one is very important. But then, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about the fact of cruelty and injustice in our country? What are you going to do about the fact of sadness and suffering and people getting sick and people passing away? What are you going to do about sadness? What are you going to do about anger when it arises? What are you going to do when you see some situation that needs that needs to be helped? Because we can't, you you know, you can go up to some mountaintop and sit for nine years like Bodhidharma did, but then he, he had to come back down and <laughs> deal with the world. And even back then in sixth century China, there was messianism in it. And um, Probably you've noticed that even in Chicago today, there are problems. <laughs> so it's not enough to just see that everything is interconnected, that we're all one. That's a starting point. That's good. But then what are you going to do with it? How are you going to share that? How are you going to show others that? How are you going to help everyone to see that, you know, trying to you know, this duality of I and mine and trying to accumulate more stuff in our uh, consumer society, but that doesn't, that that's, doesn't help. So we need the other side of skillful, liberative technique is the way that the, uh, the Malakirti Sutra talks about it. Thank you. Hello? I don't really have anything to say anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. Asian used to have something to say recently, but now there's just silence. <laughs> Somebody else. David. Oh, David. Thank you, Sagan. Um, I'd like to ask you about. Um, Non-duality in regard to the things in the, the Malakirti Sutra that I'm finding more and more challenging and intriguing about sort of this 
I don't know what to call it, sort of negative ethics, the the, the thing that, that, that says, you know, the family of the Tathagatas is this Mount Sumeru of egotisms, and you have to commit the five sins, and uh, I, I forget all the inventories, but but all the all the wickednesses, so on, um, uh, that, that those are, are, are part of the path. Um, I'm I'm not so sure about what we heard the uh, the other day uh, that you know that, that, that maybe maybe Vimalakirti went to went to those places and didn't participate in them. So I, I wonder if you might say something about sort of the ethics of of Vimalakirti's of, of the sutra in in connection to non duality. <laughs> yeah. So this in various places the sutra talks about the Bodhisattva path, the path of those who are working for to liberate all beings, not just, you know, people who look like us or people from this country or people from Chicago or not people from California, whatever. Um, and the Sutra talks about how to really develop the Bodhisattva spirit, one needs to be familiar with um, all of the, say, imperfections to all of the, he even says the five deadly sins to to um, some no to to um, impurity and defilement and and uh, cruelty does not no I don't think I don't think it literally means you have to commit all these evil deeds it just means you have to know that each of us as a karmic human being is capable of that. We have to see that this is possibility and this is, exists in our world and that it's not just those people over there who do that. It's that, it's that we are part of that. So, uh, you know, it's a little hyper, hyperbolic to say you have to actually, you know, kill your parents and, and shed the Buddha's blood and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but you have to know that that is... A human capacity. There's uh, Alan was talking about this yesterday. I've had a couple of long discussions with him after. Uh, part of what uh, and uh, and this goes back to Wade's question: to just see that everything is one means that you can do anything, and 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 that you can actually support, you know fascist politicians or in America or whatever. Um, I don't want to call them, I don't want to name call them, I'll just say that politicians who are uh, acting on fascist propositions, to put it that way. Um, How do we act to help people? That's the other side of oneness. What are skillful liberative techniques? So Harry Belafonte, who we chanted for, was a great singer, a great actor, and he was a, an amazing champion of social justice. He helped Dr. King. He helped many, many, you know, many causes of basic de- de- uh, caring and decency. This is a this is the Bodhisattva spirit. Uh, so, um, yeah. So I don't necessarily take literally those parts of the Malakirti Sutra. But we have to know um, that this is what human beings are capable of. Human beings are capable of being like Caracol Fonte. Human beings are also capable of, of being Hitler. 
So we have to know that. We have to think that we're not good as opposed to those people over there. So I, I think that's what that all that language is really about. It's not saying you should go out and, and, and hurt people or be cruel, torture people. It's saying you have to, you have to know that this is part of who you as human beings. And this is difficult, you know. We all, you know, we're always taking sides in any discussion, in any situation. And it's not that that's bad, it's what we do, it's just what we do. But that's not the solution. The solution is to see the whole picture, but then how do we act to be helpful? And there are things to do to support uh, ending cruelty, to support kindness and caring. So that's uh, part of it, part of the response. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, then could what could be would would the ignorance or forgetfulness of the oneness bring out the opposite behavior, as you said, human beings are capable of acting in favor of, of constructive social justice, or maybe Hitler can be very, very fun, you know, fighting for that. So if, if the starting point of oneness brings, how do I work towards supporting everybody else, everybody's enlightenment, would, would the forgetfulness or ignorance of that maybe make you easier to act the opposite way. I'm basically trying to frame, I don't think anybody's purely consciously evil acting. I think it's just a forgetfulness of ignorance, and I'm trying to see if your framing of oneness as the force of acting towards that. Well, no, no there's, there's these, um, there's dualities. There are dualities in the world. We all Mm. You know, left, right, man, woman, you know, front, back. It's, bio, it's biological. Um, so the oneness is to see the unity of it all. So it's not that you forget the oneness. It's that we see the wholeness of the world, and then we also see the particularities. Mm. Each of us in this room is different. In different ways, we recognize that. How do we honor that? So the harmony of difference and sameness is is not to get rid of sameness or oneness. It's to see that there is there's a harmonizing. It's, the harmony is maybe it's better to say the harmonizing or the uh, collaborating or the integration of integrating of these. So to have that. So part of what we get from Zazen is some sense. And, you know, it takes a while sometimes. The more we sit, uh, the deeper that sense of wholeness is. But then how does that impact our lives in the, in the world of particularities and differences? And then how do we act on that? How do we act skillfully to help beings awaken to this whole dynamic? That's that's the framing of it. Does that make sense? It does. Can I follow up on that? Yes, please do. 
I find a little bit of comfort in the also honoring the differences and like that because I sometimes think, and not in the Buddhist way, but I always feel like that oneness as an idea is one step away from being used as a totalitarian idea. Yes, that's a problem. That's, and that's, right. that's what scares me about it partially. And that's why I find comfort in like going. That's why oneness by itself is not enlightenment. That's exactly right. Yeah, okay. That's the scary part of You know, it could be taken away and be yeah. distorted. Yeah. Not honoring the differences. So we have in our society now many peoples marginalized. Racially, women marginalized, immigrants marginalized, and oppressed and, and treated cruelly by our institutions. Oneness is not the solution. That's what I, that's the point. We have we have to see the oneness because that's important. It is the reality of wholeness, it's the reality of silence. But then, how do we express that in terms of taking care of all the different situations? Yes, so with the interconnected of every, interconnectedness of everything, does that involve recognizing our complicity in, you know, a system or, or ways in which maybe we are benefiting from a system that promotes, you know, racism and injustice and wealth and poverty and yeah. Because we are all connected, we have a place in that. We can't just say that's somebody else. That's right. It's not just you know it's that party just, or this party. It's, right. It's that's right. And so there's also this this teaching that silence is complicity. So that turn that on to the molecurity. Huh. Silence in the face of injustice and cruelty is going along with it. So, yeah, so that's why Kategori Roshi said, return to silence, and then he wrote a book, you have to say something. So we have to respond when, there, when we see um, difficulties. But, and, and how to do that is, that's actually the work of practice. Skillful technique, skillful means, liberative skillful technique, as Thurman calls it. How do we take care of the world? and take care of the people in our lives who, some of whom may be acting like jerks in some ways, or whatever name you want to call them. But the point isn't to call people names. The point is, how do we help them see through whatever it is that is leading them into acting wrongfully? So that's actually... So so the oneness and the silence is important. This is a problem with... uh, Japanese Buddhism that led to World War II because they went along with the oneness of, you know, nationalism and hypernationalism and supporting the emperor at all costs. So we have to see the differences and we have to act with the differences. But it's important to see that the background of that is not well, just we're gonna we're gonna prevent these people from this country from from entering in, in, you know, from emigrating into our country or, you know, to, to marginalize or to, to commit cruelty to certain peoples. We have to see that actually we are all deeply, deeply interconnected. Pratitya Samakpada is another way of talking about this. The interconnected, the, the um, that was, how would you translate that? Yeah. Interdependent origination. Okay. And everything is interdependent. 
that the origination of anything is dependent to arising, like we've been way of saying it. So to recognize that when we sit and feel all the different parts of this body mind and see how they work together, then um, that gives us a resource for actually acting more skillfully to help when we're facing the differences. <laughs>